This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm going to just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome to Buckets Fantasy Basketball Podcast here on the Action Network, presented by Prize Picks. It's your boy Dan Titus here with my boy Adam Koffler. What up, dude? On uh, Halloween, spooky Sunday. Yeah, man, we're about to go out with uh, the little guy here and do some trick or treating. So that should be fun. It's a beautiful, cool, crisp day here in uh, Central Florida, and uh, just ready to watch another week of hoops coming up. And what's yeah. little man going to be for uh, Halloween? My guy was uh, Batman. My little guy is uh, Shang-Chi. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's doing he's doing all his Shang-Chi poses everywhere he goes, which is cool. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah. All right. So for today's episode, we're going to go through the week three look ahead. We're going to talk through some schedule considerations as well as give you our weekly dime. Whether you got to hit the panic button on a few different players and we'll give you some um, also some positional battles that we're eyeing headed into this week and next with some injuries to notable players, close out the show with some waiver ads potentially for next week. So let's get right into it, man. Um, Let's start with the weekly dime here. So scheduling wise, looks like we have a few teams that look to be in some favorable positions. Utah Jazz, they got four games, but they're playing on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, What are your thoughts on Utah and also Houston also with with a pretty favorable schedule as well? Yeah, let's talk about that strategy sort of in general, right? You mentioned uh, the Rockets and Jazz play on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday this week, uh, this upcoming week. And Tuesdays and Thursdays are typically the light slates in terms of how many games are played on on both those nights. There's only five games around the association on Tuesday and Thursday this week, which is typical. And then Mondays and Wednesdays typically have nine, 10, 11 games. So on those heavy slates, it's, it's more than likely you're going to have some guys that are playing that are going to be on your bench because your starting lineup is completely full. So if you go with guys from the Rockets and the Jazz this week, you know, guys that may be on the end of your bench, like a Shangoon or Royce O'Neal type deal, like you're definitely going to get four games out of those guys this week. So it's just something, something to consider as you, you know, look to make your transactions at the beginning of this week. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with that. And a couple other teams that I was looking at as well were the San Antonio Spurs. They play four games as well, but they play against really favorable teams. They play Oklahoma City. They play against Dallas, and they also play against Orlando. Doug McDermott still battling some injuries. I think you could pick up, you know, Lonnie Walker, who's still very under-rostered, as well as Devin Vassell. But Lonnie Walker averaging 13-3-3, and a couple of threes, good peripherals. He does hurt you in turnovers a bit. Um, with the poor field goal percentage and Devin Vassell, where he's putting up 10, five and two couple of threes, but also poor shooting percentages. The other team I was looking at was Washington. They also have four games next week and they're going to continue to ride the wave of, of Montrez Harrell, who's been playing great with Daniel Gafford out. I think that this is a 
good sell high candidate. We've never seen Montrez Harrell put up these kind of numbers with Gafford out of the lineup, 23, 14 rebounds and three dimes with Gafford in the lineup, 17, nine and three. So consider uh, selling high on him once we get more news of Gafford, but it looks like Gafford's only day to day. So he should be returning as early as next week. And then another guy deep, Deep leagues, if you're looking for a guy later in the week, consider Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He's seen 30-plus minutes in his last three. Gives you some stocks as well as three-pointers if you're looking for that late in the week. One last team I wanted to mention about with Utah was Mike Conley missed his first back-to-back. And Quinn Snyder did come out and say that he's going to be load-managed throughout the season on back-to-back specifically. I went back last season to look at you know what whether Conley would be sitting on the first the front end of that or the back end. Just look at the schedule. They play Miami on Saturday, so more than likely he's going to be sitting against Orlando because we know who Orlando is. They're not a very good team. Ingles got 31 minutes in Conley's absence, so he could be a guy that you might be looking forward to playing if you're trying to catch up in a couple categories on Sunday. He averaged 16 four and six dimes with Conley out last season, so something to consider. All right, let's move on a little bit. Let's go to some players that are surging right now. DeJounte Murray, this is your guy. I mean, I think you've, you have him in, in a couple of leagues and you were really high on him in the beginning of the season. Right now, per average basis, he's ranked number 19, averaging 17, 9, and 9 with two steals, dropped 20 and three straight, including a triple-double. Talk to me about this dude and why he's so great for fantasy managers this season. Yeah, I think this is something that, we could see coming with DeRozan no longer there in San Antonio. Like you said, this man's averaging almost 18 points, eight and a half rebounds and 8.8 assists per game. And he's just, he's, he racks up the steals. He's got over two per game. Uh, he's playing more minutes than he's ever played 35 and a half per game. Uh, the, the field goal percentage isn't quite there yet, but you know, he's giving you all those peripherals that you hope for with a guy like DeJounte Murray. So he's looking like an incredible steal at this point uh, compared to his ADP. And so is, so is Derek White. I mean, Derek White's not scoring the ball quite as much, but, you know, he's getting the uh, the steals and blocks uh, that you had hoped from, you know, a guy at the point guard, shooting guard position. And you can't expect, you know, much from from that position in terms of those uh, stocks that, that we talk about. So Derek White also great. Um, just both that San Antonio backwards looking like, you know, fantasy gold uh, this season. Definitely is. Yeah. Derek White's sneaky value is certainly his defensive prowess, man. He's been, he's been racking up those stocks there, but we're talking about, you just mentioned peripherals and can't not mention miles bridges here. He's eighth overall. Currently he's averaging 25 points, eight rebounds, two assists, hitting three, three pointers a game with two and a half stocks, but he's shooting 51% from the field, 88% from the free throw line. This guy is a stud. Do you see any reason for his uh, fantasy value contributions to take a dive? Or do you think that this is real? Something we're going to see for the rest of the season? Yeah, so I, I, I kind of looked into this one to see if if we think this could be real. Um, Terry Rozier has only played one game this season. He's obviously a guy that that takes a lot of shots. Yeah. But in the one game that Terry Rozier did play, I think Miles Bridges still had 20 shots. He looks like a completely different player this season. You know, he's comfortable now with uh, LaMelo Ball. Gordon Hayward's back, which I actually think helps a little bit. I, you know, you, I thought it would probably hurt to have uh, Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre playing next to him. But Miles Bridges, it looks like the coaching staff has, like, kind of empowered him to take this next step forward. He's averaging 
almost double the amount of shot attempts this season, which is absolutely nuts. And he's, he's a pretty good shooter for his career. So it's not like I see that coming back down to earth. There's some guys, you know, in a situation like miles bridges where you're like, Oh, this guy, like this, this can't keep up. Like you got to sell this guy high, maybe like a Harrison Barnes type, but with miles bridges, I really don't think we're talking about a guy that you want to sell high. I'm, I think we're talking about a guy you want to ride the wave with like in fantasy football. This is like your Cooper cup guy who like is on the Ascension is going to continue to be, you know, one of those top guys uh, for the Hornets and in fantasy basketball. Yeah. I wish I had more shares of, of miles bridges, man, because he looks like he's real. Doesn't matter if Gordon Hayward's there. Um, doesn't matter if Kelly Oubre is there and Terry Rozier. Yeah. He's going to come in and take some shots away, but I don't think his efficiency, he just looks like he's a star in the making right now. I have, so. I have a confession. I have a confession to make. I was sitting there on the clock in our league and Miles Bridges was staring me in the face. And so is PJ Washington. They're on the same team. And I was like, man, these PJ Washington steals and blocks. How could I pass those up? And then I hit PJ Washington. And then <laughs> two weeks later, I'm feeling like a real idiot for going with PJ Washington over Miles Bridges. I did see PJ Washington on waivers a couple of days ago. So yeah, that one, that one definitely stings. We could thank <laughs> Brittany Renner for that. Probably, man. Fuck that chick. Yeah. She's pretty much ruined that, man. <laughs> um but yeah, speaking of you, you mentioned you want to hold on to Miles Bridges. This is a guy to me that screams sell high. Um, Al Horford in 2021 is averaging 13, 11, and three three assists with five stocks. Ridiculous. He is he's averaging over three and a half blocks per contest. And we saw Robert Williams. He missed um, Saturday's contest. Uh, I think that was just like a little bit of rest or whatever. And Boston's been going. I think they've had like two or three overtime games already. But I can't buy Al Horford at this point. Like, if I'm an Al Horford manager, I got to sell this. This just seems like he's he's turned back the clock, playing great defense. But I just can't buy into it. How about you? Yeah, it's tough to buy into. I mean, I mean, Al Horford back in Boston uh, seems like a good fit for him. But some of these some of these big games are coming. Like you said, Robert Williams not playing. Um, I mean, Kemba's not there anymore. So Horford is sort of you know de facto. Uh, you know, ball handler type. I mean, he's, he's always been kind of this full, you know, stat stuffing kind of guy, but I, I don't expect him to play 30 plus minutes a game as the season progresses. And I also expect him to rest uh, quite a bit um, as he's, you know, kind of an older vet. So, I mean, he's ranked six on a per game basis. Come on, man. Like if you can, if you can sell that high and, and get somebody who's, you know, who's underperforming, like obviously you're not gonna be able to get, you know, Michael Porter Jr. for Al Horford, but there's some guys that are underperforming that you could probably throw Al Horford out and, uh, you know, get somebody to bite on that uh, current ranking. Yeah, his rankings. I mean, he's top three in average per game, which is like <laughs> Stupid, I don't think man. we Stupid. I don't think we ever foresaw that happening. And like considering where his dra- average draft position was, like that's that's just crazy. If you got him, congratulations. But yeah, you need to sell. No doubt. Panic button time. Bam out of bio. So while he's still forty-seven overall, much thanks to his fourteen rebounds per contest, which is up by five since last year, we really saw fantasy managers take take pride in the fact that he was one of those rare assist big men, but we've seen that drop from 5.4 to 1.6 through the first five games. Is this a Kyle Lowry effect? And are you hitting the panic button on Bam's assists? Yeah. If you listen to us in the preseason, this is exactly what we talked about was going to happen with Kyle Lowry there. It happened in the preseason and we don't like to put too much stock in the preseason because those games at the end of the day don't matter. But what matters here is that Bam Adebayo's role has completely changed. 
He's become much more of a scorer. He's averaging more rebounds per game. Those will come back down to earth a little bit, probably normalize back to the mean. He's averaging 14 per game. He averaged just over nine, I believe, last season. So we'll see that come back down to you know somewhere close to 10, I would think. The problem here is, right, like you said, he's averaging 1.6 assists per game compared to 5.4, a career high last season. If you look at the points and the assist categories, like you might have – 600 points in a given week, you may only have a hundred to 150 assists in a given week. So, you know, Bam could get you 20 more points per week, but he's getting you like 15, 16 fewer assists per week. So the percent difference in the point gain is so much less than the percent difference you're losing out of assists. And that's, that's the problem. That's, that's where his nine cat value diminishes um, if he's not getting you those five assists per game. So you know, I was always kind of off Bam for that reason. He doesn't he doesn't shoot threes, he doesn't get assists, and he doesn't get steals and blocks really for for a big, which he kind of should. Um, I, and I said this on Twitter a couple of days ago. I'd rather have Mo Bamba at this point than Bam Adebayo. Call it a hot take, but Mo Bamba's giving you production in all areas of the, of the game right now. Big facts, big facts. Uh, Mo Bamba, big fan of Mo Bamba. He's actually getting minutes. We're going to talk a little bit about Chume Kiki's return and see if that really affects him. But yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's talk about Michael Porter Jr. Man, Mr. Uh, Anti-Vax here. Is there a Will Barton effect here? I mean, he's currently 156 overall after putting up only 11.6 boards, three assists, despite seeing a similar usage rate as last season, around 21%. I mean, scoring-wise, he's getting the same amount of shots up, around 13 a game. But he's just really been brutal in all facets of the game here. We've only really seen an uptick in his assists, and that's from like one to two. But it's really just his struggles from the field, man. Shooting 33% from the field, and, you know, the three-pointers are down. Is it Will Barton? I mean, Will Barton, 68 overall, 15-4-4, shooting 50% from the field with two stocks. I mean, something's got to give here. I don't know what what to make of it, but are you hitting the panic button on MPJ? No. And here's the thing, and you, you kind of explained it. The minutes are exactly the same as last season. The usage is exactly the same. The field goal attempts are exactly the same. You said his assists are up a little bit. They're almost double. He's at like two and a half assists. And he was at like one point something last season. So if you look at his full body work, he's the he's the absolute definition of a buy low, especially because we know Jamal Murray is not coming back for a long time. But Jamal Murray might not be back till February. He might not be back all season. We don't know. So, I mean, if this if the opportunity is the same and he's a career very good shooter, like 55% from the field, which is crazy, and he's only shooting 35% right now, I expect that to come back up. And, you know, he's actually probably my number one target uh, in terms of buy low right now. feel that. I mean, he, he had this second highest e-field goal percentage in NBA history last season. So you got to expect him to have some positive regression here at some point, start knocking down some shots. This is some early season issues that he'll probably work through. But yeah, I, I agree. This is probably the prime buy low guy that you can have. Next guy I want to talk about, Nik- Nikola Vucevic, shooting a career low in field goal percentage, um, lowest scoring output in seven years, still 45th overall in average per game. And that's really just because of his rebounding, but he is losing some of that value um, in terms of his other bull teammates. Whereas Lonzo ranks 27, Levine 16, DeMar is pretty close to him at 42, but we see him have a really good game uh, last game. So curious if you're worried about Vucevic at all, is it really just his points? That's really been the the primary uh, drop off in his production. 
Yep. You just answered, you just answered the question right there. It's, it's really just the points he's taking three fewer shots per game this season as to be expected with, uh, you know, scoring uh, a guard forward like DeRozan there. Um, so, so, so we're seeing kind of the same peripheral stats out of Vucevic this season usage is down just a little bit because of the scoring uh, being down, but you know, he's not a guy I'm panicking about because the rebounds, the assists, the steals and blocks are still kind of all intact. Um, you know, Pat Williams going down for the season really doesn't affect much, but it's just another kind of big man sort of body out of Vucevic's way in terms of, you know, getting those rebounds. So he's not a guy I'm too worried about. Um, the scoring's not as important to me as those peripheral stats for him. All right. So let's jump to some positional battles here. Let's talk, let's talk about Memphis first. Dylan Brooks is still out. I uh, read a report yesterday that he's going to get his his hand re-examined next week, which means if you're getting re-examined, you're probably not going to play because he hasn't been practicing. So I think we get a little bit more time of DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain. Do you think once once Brooks gets cleared, are you concerned about Desmond Bain or DeAnthony Melton's value? I mean, both of these guys are top 50 right now. Melton's sitting at 35 overall. Bain's sitting at 30. I don't see them... Do they just go away? Like they can't. Something's got to give in Memphis. Like, what do you what do you do with the starting rotation? Because these guys are playing out of their minds right now. John Morant's locked in as a starting point guard. Jaron Jackson Jr., I think, is locked in as a starting power forward. Steven Adams is a starting center. Maybe they put Jaron Jackson at the five. Problem with that is that's a uh, I mean, you, you you trade you traded for Steven Adams, you traded Valanchunas for Steven Adams. And Jaron Jackson already has problems with foul trouble. So putting him at the five is only going to make that worse. Uh, so you probably can't do that. And then you got Melton and Bain playing the two and the three, you know, Brooks is coming off this hand injury. They said he was, uh, they saw him in summer league with something wrapped up around his hand. And now it's, it was two to three weeks. And now it's going to be reevaluated next week. I feel like there's something systemic here with his hand. That's like severely wrong. You know, who's to say Dylan Brooks just comes back and hit and hits the starting lineup. He probably doesn't with the way Melton and Bain are both playing right now. But I would say even if he does crack that starting lineup, you know, you're likely to see Melton come back to the bench. But I still expect Melton to be the sixth man for this team. And he's still likely to play, you know, 28 to 30 minutes a game. And right now he's, uh, let's see, 39th on a per game basis. And Bain is 40th. And Melton's averaging, I, I tweeted this the other day too, he's, he's averaging like, you know, three steals and a block and a half per game over the last four games. That's insane, man. And he's a guard too. That's like the, that's like the Derek White special. Um, I always love, I always love Melton coming into this season. And I think, I think there's, there's, you don't drop these guys, you know, even when Brooks comes back, they're going to have, they're all going to have value. Yeah. I'm still holding on to him. Um, you know, we saw Steph Curry miss most of the season with a, with a hand injury a couple of years ago. So, I mean, we don't, we don't really have too much information on Dylan Brooks other than he's going to re-examine. So you got to just continue to ride the hot hand here. Both dudes are, are, Totally fancy worthy and should should not be traded at the moment. Let's go to Indiana. Malcolm Brogdon hurt again, another hamstring injury. But we saw Karis Levert return to the lineup. Saw 15 minutes, had an absurd 38% usage rate in his time that he did return. But Malcolm Brogdon is enjoying a career year, man. 23 points, seven boards, seven assists in 37 minutes per game under Rick Carlisle. Are you more concerned about Duarte? or Levert eating into his uh, eventual return. It doesn't look like it's a big injury. It doesn't look like, you know, Brogdon's going to be out a while here. If 
Yeah, if if, uh, if Brogdon is not out a while and Lavert comes back um, and starts to get some of the, some more of those minutes, obviously in Lavert's first game back, he only played 15 minutes. He only played the first half, and the thought was that maybe he got re-injured. But I think I think they're trying to just manage his minutes as he returns. So in his first game back, right, even in the even in just playing the first half, Duarte uh, only took. 11 shots in that game. And he's been averaging 17 per game uh, prior to that, even with Malcolm Brogdon there. So this clearly hurts Duarte, uh, even Levert's return, right? Even without Malcolm Brogdon and uh, having TJ McConnell in there as a point guard. So I would, I'd be looking to sell high on Chris Duarte prior to Brogdon's return. Um, and I expect, I expect Brogdon's usage to come down a little bit. Uh, with Levert back in the lineup last season with playing with Levert, he was at, at about 25% usage compared to uh, the 29% that he was seeing earlier this season prior to Levert returning prior to the injury. So I would say right now you're looking at sell highs on both Brogdon and Duarte, just kind of, you know, throw those guys out there and see what, see what sticks for them. Yeah. Duarte has been exceeding expectations for sure, man. I think he's climbed up that rookie that rookie ladder pretty quickly. Let's talk about Chuma Okiki. He did return to the lineup for the Orlando Magic here. He did play a combination of the three and the four last season. We saw Mo Bamba enter the starting lineup with uh, Wendell Carter Jr. So they're running that that big man twin tower in the front court. Do you think Do you think Chuma will eat into Mo Bamba's production here? With Mobamba seeing, you know, around 30 minutes per contest here, but he's playing great. You know, he's giving you all the stats you need here in terms of, you know, three pointers for a big man. He's shooting 61% from the field. He's getting the boards. He's getting the stocks. Like, I don't see any reason why he could be in a, a threat right now. I'd actually take this opportunity to, you know, inquire about uh, buying Mobamba from, from that fantasy manager if he's concerned about Okiki. Okiki's return and Jonathan Isaac's uh, return sometime in the future. We have no idea when Jonathan Isaac is going to play basketball again, and he's coming yeah. off two major injuries. Like and I, and, and, and unvaxed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, oh. He's oh. Yeah. I forgot. Of, he's <laughs> got a whole bunch of stuff to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like so. So you can't expect a guy like that to come back and and you know take uh, Bomba's role. Um, I think I, I think Bomba's here to stay, man. Okiki's more of a, a small slash power forward. Uh, Bamba's a seven footer. I mean, so is Wendell Carter Jr. But the way Bamba's playing, Jamal Mosley just can't take him off the floor for Chumo Kiki, who, who's just a, I mean, he, he averaged less than 10 points a game last season. Obviously, he came on stronger at the end of the season with all the injuries to the Magic. And he was pretty good down the stretch in the fantasy playoffs. But with the way some of their starters are playing, right? Bamba, Wendell Carter, even Franz Wagner is playing really, really good basketball. Like he looks better. Franz Wagner looks better this year than Chumo Kiki even did last season. So you can't really get his take Franz, Franz Wagner's minutes away from him too. You're probably not going to do that either. So I expect, I expect Jamal Mosley to, to, you know, reintroduce Okiki into the lineup slowly. And because of that, I got, I don't think, I don't think there's much of an effect on, on Mo Bamba or even Wendell Carter uh, probably affects Franz Wagner the most because he's, he's the rookie there, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to buy all the shares of Mo Bamba that I can, man. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Franz Wagner, I guess we can kind of, that can kind of usher us into the, the waiver pickups this year, uh, this week. I mean, I don't know that, I don't know that Okiki necessarily cuts into Franz Wagner's production either, man. He's getting 32 minutes. He's playing really well. I mean, he's shooting almost 50% from the field, knocking down two threes per contest at 44% clip. 
averaging 14, four and two. I, I agree with you. I think he's probably going to be ushered in kind of slowly, but I, I think Franz Wagner is certainly worthy of being rostered right now. Only 44%. He's got to be higher given the minutes and the opportunities that he's got put in, in front of him here. Agree with that. Um, he, he doesn't do a whole lot. Um, he, he's kind of, his numbers, peripherals are kind of low. He scores, he, he shoots good percentages. He's not, not blowing up in any one category, but he's also not hurting you either. Uh, and the turnovers are pretty low and you always like to see that, especially with rookies, but it was kind of like uh, Tyrese Halliburton last season. Uh, another guy you have to add, I think, especially this week is Matisse Teibel. Uh, Sixers played four games and he's averaging two and a half steals and one and a half blocks per game. Uh, he's only playing 22 minutes per game as well, but that defense is is likely to earn him uh, a few more minutes uh, this week. So uh, he's a guy that is probably a must add in 14 and and maybe 12 team leagues at this point. Um, the other guy I wanted to chat about briefly, I know Scotty Barnes's roster ship has gone up. Last week we talked about him. It was around 60. I think it's gone up to like about 70 now. But, you know, he came in drafted as wanting to be, you know, everyone thought he was going to kind of be like a jack of all trades. He's a really good passer. Not really seeing much of his scoring ability, but, dude, he's been dropping. He dropped 20 points in the last couple of games here. Do you think that his scoring is for real? And are you concerned? I think that's another person we could probably bring up as a positional battle. When Pascal Siakam returns, what do you do with Scotty Barnes? Or what happened? I don't know. I th- I, yeah, I think, I think he's another, you know, option to sell high. You know, it's it's really difficult, especially when you're on a rookie at the beginning of the season to draft him, you know, kind of reach for him and then get excited about his production. But then have a guy, you know, as good as Pascal Siakam coming back back into the lineup who really plays, you know, a similar position as Scotty Barnes at this point. Looks like they're both sort of playing that that hybrid three, four role uh, for the Raptors. So you have to expect Barnes, you know, makes his way to the bench. Potentially, I mean, because I can't really see Siakam playing the five. They have to put either one of Ken Birch or Precious Achua uh, in that role. So with Barnes potentially going back to the bench in a few weeks, yeah, he's a guy who's averaging 18 points a game right now. Come on. That's not that's not that's not going to continue. He's not going to continue shooting 55 percent from the field. So he's a guy I would definitely be looking to sell high ahead of Pascal Siakam's return. Yeah. And so. Kind of crazy, though. Uh, so we're still talking about waiver ads here. DeAnthony Melton is still only 65% rostered. And then you have Desmond Bain, who is still uh, – he moved up to about 68. So people are starting to catch on. So not not as high value. I mean, you can get those guys in shallow leagues probably. Deep leagues are probably already scooped up. But is there any other guys that you're, you've are you been looking at to uh, at roster for next week? Yeah, a, uh, a sneaky guy that I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the schedule grid and how many uh, games teams are playing this week. You go back to the Utah Jazz and you look at Royce O'Neal. He's ranked 107 on a per-game basis. He's not a scorer, but he's a guy that's going to get you those steals, uh, some rebounds, some assists, and even even a few blocks. You know, sh- doesn't shoot a great percentage, but again, you can overlook that because the points are very low. But if you're looking for those peripheral stats and a guy that you know you can plug into your lineup, right, never gets hurt, always plays the starter minutes. Royce O'Neal's a guy I'd look to roster this week. Like that. All right. So, yeah, that so that pretty much our ads for the week. You know, we talked about the Spurs having a really favorable matchup late in the week. So you can, might be able to scoop up like a Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell, very low roster ship. Also, take a look at KCP if you're in needs of some stocks and some threes later on. 
you know, perhaps you're going to need Royce O'Neal or or uh, Joe Ingles for the Utah on their back to back. Also, take a look at Franz Wagner as well as Alperin Shangun is another guy I would look oh, at. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the with the Houston, absolutely. With Houston playing four games, and he looks he looks to be a better option at the five than Daniel Tice on most nights. So he's he's a guy I'd want to pick up. All right, so that will conclude our show. Make sure you check out our fantasy article that will drop tomorrow with uh, Joe Delera of the action network. We're going to be going through the schedule grid as well as the fantasy impacts that you might consider. So much of the stuff that we talked about here with a couple other betting angles that you might want to consider, make sure you download the action network app, the award-winning action network app to track all your bets, tail all the action experts and make sure you listen in for our picks Our prize picks, we're going to be bringing them every week for the Monday slate. So peep that. Make sure you get some money out of it. Last last week, we went two and one. We'll see you next week. Uh, Adam, where can they find you? People can find me on Twitter. Pretty active there. Uh, most days, some days, some days I gotta you know have some fatherly responsibilities. Uh, write some articles for Roto Baller as well, uh, both basketball and football. And then obviously you know weekly, and then you know hit me up in my DMs as well, and ask me whatever questions you got. It goes down in the DMs. Just don't get right. too crazy with it. All right, we'll talk to y'all next week. Peace.